1: What's up, Internet? And welcome back to the In Gadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar.
0: I'm Reviews Editor Shirtland Lowe.
1: This week, Cyberpunk 2077 has finally arrived. And also, surprisingly, Apple has finally showed off their, their big over-the-ear headphones. These are some things we've been hearing about for a while, the AirPods Max. And uh, we'll talk about some news that was kind of dropped last week that I think is really important that's... Uh, Warner's decision to drop all of their movies from 2021, uh, all you know, all the WB movies, onto HBO Max uh, at the same time they're hitting theaters. So it's going to be a fun discussion. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review. Leave us a review on iTunes. And hey, if you want to Drop us a note or something. You can email us at podcast@engadget.com. We typically live stream our recording of the show on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. You could join us to check out the live chat and ask us questions in between segments. Apple has finally given us noise canceling over-the-ear headphones. It's the AirPods Max, and hey, yeah, this is something that's been rumored for very, very long. There was actually a story. This week, um, from a former Apple engineer who says they've been working on this for the past four years. So I'm not too surprised, but I am surprised by a couple of things. You know, they look very apple They look very sleek, but they cost $550. And I don't know, I feel like Apple is maybe pushing their premium design, their premium sensibility a little too much here, because I'm not really seeing much about these headphones that make them worth that much. But what are your first impressions for Lynn of these things?
0: The fact that it comes in a carrying case that looks <laughs> really incredibly strange, and I guess unique is the word. Uh, it, it it spawned a thousand memes. And uh, I don't want to tell you what some people have called it because I don't think it's all very X or R rated or G friendly. But uh, a a bra is
1: PG thirteen. Like we we could say it looks like a bra. I don't know.
0: Okay, it looks like it looks like a yeah. (laughs) And many other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But (laughs) that was not the first thing I thought. But anyway. Interesting. And I now now I'm trying to
1: think about what you were thinking. But yes, go ahead. I was thinking
0: butts. (laughs) I I saw butts. Yeah. You're like Um... Tina from
1: Bob's Burgers. (laughs) Everything is just butts. Yeah.
0: She is kind of my spirit animal. She's great. Um, but yeah, the price definitely shocked me. At first, I was like, "Wow, five hundred fifty dollars is like two hundred dollars more than most like over-ear headphones from premium sure, brands, sure. like Sony." But then I was like, "Okay, wait, what else costs less than this?" And I was like, "Okay, a PS five costs PS
1: five, the Xbox Series Xbox X, Series uh, X uh, like a nice S. iPad Air." Yeah. yeah,
0: so many things are cheaper. So I, I mean. That just was ridiculous, in my opinion. I don't know how Apple thinks it's going to compete with the likes of Sony in this space, but they're not. Yeah. You know this. You know them a bit better than I do, Deb. What were your thoughts?
1: I'm just. I, I will say I'm a little confounded by all of this because, hey, I love Sony's noise canceling headphones. I reviewed the 1000 XM3s. Um, Billy Steele reviewed the XM4s, which came out this year. In terms of like premium over the year noise canceling mm-hmm. headphones, they're pretty much the best you can get on the market, and they typically sell between. 350 on sale, sometimes you could get a little cheaper. 350 to 400 I believe the actual retail price is 350 um, But that's kind of the baseline of what you'd expect for premium noise-canceling headphones. So Bose, right. Bose's latest headphones, they kind of owned that market for a while until Sony came in. Bose's also cost around the same price. And for me, I always felt like, man, it's really hard to recommend these things because who has over $300 to spend on headphones, right? And here comes Apple with something... That's nearly twice as much, and at least on the specs front and on the features front, I can't see why it's nearly twice as much. Right? Because you know they they produce a lot of things. Um, this feels like classic Apple in the bit in the sense that they're producing something that seems over designed um, to the point where it's kind of in- crazy. You know, I, I'm thinking of the article I wrote about the $1,000 monitor stand they announced mm. a couple of years ago, which just seems so ridiculous, but in Apple's universe, you know, the idea of having something that's so precisely engineered makes sense. People will pay that money, but let me let me give you guys some copy from Apple, because I think just the way they wrote <laughs> about this thing...
0: This is why they think this is worth five fifty. dollars
1: Yeah. The canopy spanning the headband is made from a breathable knit mesh, distributing weight to reduce on-head pressure. <laughs> the stainless steel frame is wrapped with a soft-to-the-touch material for a remarkable... Combination of strength, flexibility, and comfort. These are features, by the way. Like this is just me getting back into my own voice. They <laughs> they made they made headphones that are very specifically tuned to kind of be tightly held against your ears and produce a good seal. And those are all things you want in noise canceling headphones. So yeah, they seem very comfortable. And I think the the fact that the top band flexes a bit, the fact that the foam ears kind of conform to your ears, that's all very nice. But at the end of the day, Wait. these are still wireless headphones, right? They're they're constrained by the fidelity of wireless. You're not right. getting magically better sound because it's coming from these Apple things. And actually, when they first announced them too, I was a little in Apple's own PR, in their announcement, it says an iOS device or, you know, or a Mac device is required to use these things. And like the AirPods, that's not entirely true. I, I feel like they're just bad at messaging. It's required yeah. if you want. Some of the like spatial audio features and some of the like special features from this. Otherwise, they will work as normal Bluetooth headsets. So mm-hmm. there is that. Um, you can also, after spending $550 on these things, you could spend like $35 for an extra cable, a USB C to three and a half millimeter audio jack Ugh. cable. Um, you have to pay extra for that privilege, but that's how you can use these headphones on normal devices. So it is just everything. I kind of hate about Apple's designs, honestly. <laughs> yes. Like the 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 cost, the design, um, just it is not actually giving much to the consumers, and it's weird because I'm coming off of reviewing the MacBook Air M1, which I think is kind of a re- revolutionary device. It does so much for portable computing. Um, it is just wild to me, and yeah, it reminds me of Johnny Ive's stuff, just in the peak of his era, right? It uh, it doesn't use touch controls. It doesn't use Normal physical controls. It's cans, the, and
0: they don't have touch controls. Well, it, touch
1: controls are bad, and I actually think that's a good thing. But well, yeah, a the, lot of the, a lot of them con- are bad. They're using the digital crown from the Apple Watch, which uh. just seems like are they repurposing that? Will that actually work well? I don't, I don't quite know. I just find so much about this whole thing obscene. And then um, this is Apple; they own Beats. Beats for the yeah. longest time has been the company producing expensive over the ear headphones. Is this is this super beats? I don't know what you call this. <laughs> Would you get the Rowan? No. First
0: of all, <laughs> first of all, I remember that I have covered more expensive headphones before, sure, and sure. is Montblanc, the luxury brand, made their own first true wireless headphones over ears, and those cost six hundred dollars. So just a touch more, mm-hmm. just about ten percent more than the Apple. Uh, i guess airpods max
1: airpods but max, uh
0: yeah no as you as you were doing the uh dramatic reading i wanted to do like i wanted to see if i could take one
1: <laughs> because you could take one just go for it you have the final two
0: <clears throat> my asmr rendition not asmr am trying to be sultry rendition of apple pr telescoping arms smoothly extend and stay where you set them for a consistent fit and seal the beautifully anodized aluminum cups feature a revolutionary mechanism that allows each cup to rotate independently and balance pressure. Amazing. Th- Amazing! those are just like $200 <laughs> words for $5 sentences. Like, I don't understand. This is the whole premise, right? Like, these are $350 headphones in a $500 package or $550 package. So... It's it's Apple being Apple and it's the fact Apple being that they Apple. seem to be yeah. yeah they seem to be fighting with their own like in-house I mean Beats mm-hmm. that just I I, f- I wonder if this is a sign that Beats as a brand may be going away I don't think it will completely go away no. but it feels like, like the they, first they spent step so much of, money
1: to buy Beats right exactly. so like it and is Beats a brand does have its brand recognition yeah 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 but I'm just I feel like I'm a little disappointed here because I kind of figured what they were doing but I was gonna be, I was thinking hey. Maybe Apple's going to go 400. Maybe they're going to go a bit above Sony. <laughs> put on the Apple image. Um, but no, they're, they're going all the way. I mean, this thing's also actually, it's packed with tech, too, right? There's an H1 mm-hmm. chip on each bud, which seems mm-hmm. like overkill to me. They say that helps with syncing. But to me, um, you, know, you do that with the, with the AirPods because you can wear just one in your ear. Right. So both, like, yeah. that helps with one sided hearing or one sided wearing. You can't really just do that with a pair of cans. You can't just have, like, is right. that a weird thing where it's like, <laughs> some one people on... move
0: one back, but yeah. I, I hate
1: that. I hate that so I much. Know. So, anyway, I have a lot of feelings about this. I have not tested them. We're going to be trying them out I was soon. Say, Probably Billy Steele trying that. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. I, I was going to say that. Yeah. I, I know we are, you know, on paper, it seems like appalling, but. I'm pretty sure because it's Apple again, like once we start reviewing, testing these things, we're like, oh, actually, these are pretty good, but still too expensive. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I think we need to spend actual time with these products, we do, but we do. we'll see. I, I will say my um,
1: feel about this is it. it's very much in line with the HomePods, right? Which mm-hmm. launched as a really expensive wireless speaker, but without the stuff you expect from a device like that, right? There was no Spotify support. You could only use it with Apple Music. There's no Bluetooth. Still. This mm-hmm. is at least a little more flexible, but the fact that you have to pay extra for the three and a half millimeter cable just seems ridiculous to me. It's, it's something meant for the Apple fans and the Apple faithful. And I'm sure people will buy this. They said it was sold out already, apparently. But I just this is the side of Apple. Like I like Apple has many different faces. I'm a really big fan of the Apple that is pushing new boundaries and introducing yeah. new things to the industry like the M1 chip in the MacBook Air. And I'll talk a bit about that in the MacBook Pro is fundamentally reshaping the entire industry. These things are very expensive, pretty headphones. And that that kind of seems like all, but hey, maybe we can try them out soon and we can have a better sense of it. I think one thing you can expect uh, is at least decent mic support and decent Siri support, um, because that's what all that's what the AirPods are kind of built around. Right. It's the idea that you can say, hey, Siri, and it'll wake up and do you know whatever you need to instantly without you hitting any buttons or doing anything. So that seamlessness for some Apple you know diehards may actually be pretty good. And since these are yeah. better headphones... Probably will have better mic quality than, you know, the normal AirPods and AirPods Pro.
0: We'll see. I mean, that's the whole thing of Apple and Apple, like, knowing it can win over its fans very easily. It's that whole ecosystem. (sighs) They play so nicely together. It's like once you're in, you're kind of in. There's no really other better alternative for you because they can make the software speak Mm -hmm. so well across all devices. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see.
1: I think in Apple's favor, the one thing, the one thing they really have going for them with the H1 chip is just the ease of pairing, right? The ease of swapping between your devices from listening to something on your phone to hopping over to your Mac, to hopping over to an iPad. Um, That's all really, that's all like stuff that's only really possible with with the H1 chip. Because, hey, one constant noise for me with the Sony headphones or really any other headphones is if I want to go from my phone to my computer, I got to like disconnect it from my phone. I have to sync it to Bluetooth. It's always a whole process, and it's not seamless. Apple, you're paying basically for the seamlessness of Apple's hardware, and I I guess people are down with that. We'll have more to say about the AirPods Max in the coming weeks. Check out for our coverage, likely from Billy Steele and Gadget, because he reviews all of our headphones. Stay tuned, everybody. One thing that came in as we started planning this episode, we already had a very packed episode here with a whole bunch of stuff. You know, We had AirPods to talk about. We're going to have all the big Warner Brothers news and everything and cyberpunk. But then on Wednesday, 48 states and territories in the US, led by New York Attorney General Letitia James, issued antitrust charges against Facebook, saying that they've been anti-competitive for years. And the ultimate goal of what the FTC is aiming for here is to undo the acquisitions of uh Instagram that 1 billion dollar acquisition in 2012 which by the way sparked the entire unicorn trend right before that startups were not getting bought for a billion dollars i was working you know i was covering startups at that point and we were all like what the hell is happening here like facebook just has too much money instagram at that point was a company with like 12 or 13 employees they weren't profitable they didn't have a huge model but facebook was like you're worth a billion dollars. Um, and then they topped that with WhatsApp in 2014 by spending 19 billion dollars. And the argument here is that um, let me just quote something from the FTC uh, in the court documents. Mr. Zuckerberg recognized that by acquiring and controlling Instagram, Facebook would not only squelch the direct threat that Instagram posed but also significantly hinder another firm from using photo sharing on mobile phones to gain popularity as a provider of personal social networking. Just as with Instagram, WhatsApp presented a powerful threat to Facebook's personal social networking monopoly, which Facebook targeted for acquisition rather than competition. So what seems to be happening here is that the government and a lot like more states than I could imagine really um, pushing Facebook against this anti-competitive behavior – A lot of them are basically blaming them for doing what Microsoft was doing in the 90s and something that Microsoft got in trouble for, um, for either destroying competitors, stealing their ideas or buying them before they could get too big. This is where things get a little sticky, right, because Facebook's argument and they issued a statement last night, too, is that. Hey, the FTC and the government approve these acquisitions. You can't just, you can't just do a take back right? And say, okay, we are bad. We this shouldn't exist anymore. That seems like it sets a bad precedent for mergers and acquisitions in general. And I feel like companies may start to get worried about that. But at the same time, I think um, we've talked about this quite a bit when the government would bring Facebook and tech giants in for, for hearings. There are legitimate issues, and tech is bigger than anybody expected it has more power than anybody expected and i think fundamentally facebook has shown time and time again that they're not good stewards of the data they collect of the power they hold you know of the the power they have over democracy and conversation and society in general um trillin any thoughts about what's going on here
0: i mean we've said before on this show that i've tried to quit facebook and it's become impossible because i can quit the main facebook app but i can't with instagram and whatsapp being part of my life Mm -hmm. um the other thing that concerns me is when like you talk about the purchase of uh instagram but we forget or i don't know i forgot (laughs) right Facebook did make a bid for Snapchat, which was it's one of its competitors in the past before, mm. and Snapchat just flat out refused. Which kudos! It's hard to just turn down money because it, you've we've seen what Facebook has done with Instagram. It's grown yeah. Instagram to like insane levels of popularity right now. They were right that valuation seems accurate back then, but mm. look at what Facebook has since done with Snapchat and Instagram, right? It's basically pretty much stolen everything that Snapchat does. And is that, do we call that competition or do we call that like basically choking the life out of a smaller app? We don't know. And now I'm like, That's what Microsoft
1: got in trouble for, by the way. Like, don't forget the whole Microsoft uh, antitrust thing was around browsers, right? And the issue was around including Internet Explorer in your operating system. If you do that. There's no there's no room for Netscape Navigator. There's no room for Opera to exist, you know, because who else would need another browser? And right. Microsoft got in a lot of trouble for that. It took a while thankfully, for that to get resolved. Yeah.
0: Thankfully, though, you know, Microsoft had a real competitor in Chrome
1: and well, Google no, That, had took, that like, took forever, Shirley. That like, did take not, forever. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes, I agree. Netscape did go away. Opera and Mozilla have struggled to survive, yeah. but there's still at least one main competitor. I'm saying now, if we look at Facebook's space, it's hard to see that there's anything as big. I mean, TikTok sure, is sure. big, I guess, but I don't see Facebook not ripping. They've already ripped off TikTok, right? Instagram Reels. They ripped off and
1: badly. I think, I think the main thing here and the main right. argument that I can really get behind is that Facebook is fundamentally anti-competitive because there there are other popular social networks, but there's none that's like Facebook, right? There's none where all of your family and friends are, where everybody's having conversations. You know, TikTok is its own separate thing. Snapchat is its own separate thing. You may have groups of friends in one thing or you go to TikTok for entertainment, but you don't – it's not like a necessity that Facebook is for a lot of people because, yeah, you can't leave it if you want to talk to your family anymore – and there, there, there is nothing to compete with that, right? That Google Plus died. Google couldn't produce a significant competitor. <laughs> Google Plus. Google, Google Plus was the, like, one other competitor. They're dead. LinkedIn is a whole separate thing. LinkedIn's just jobs. Facebook has 2.7 billion users overall. That is a huge chunk of the world population. So I okay. think this is the main thing. Yeah.
0: Do you see Twitter as a competitor to no. Facebook?
1: No, no. Like, yeah. Twitter... Twitter is great at being part, like, it's a real-time conversation generator. And I spend all my time on Twitter. Twitter has its own issues, and we could talk about that. But I've always felt like Twitter was the ideal of what I wanted from the internet, right? Like, an ongoing, constant conversation. I could jump in, talk to people. I could reach people who are, you know, super famous and still have a conversation with right. them. Everything's right. in real time. You kind of see the matrix in front of you. Facebook is just it's Facebook, right? It is the thing where everybody's online identities are. You can find your old high school friends or whatever, find your family members and have chats with them. It is a very static thing. That's why they invested so much in Instagram. But like to what you were saying, Sherlyn, like Chrome launched yep. in 2008. And I feel like that is a decade after, you know, the government really started pushing Microsoft against Internet Explorer. In that time, Firefox launched and was like a popular thing among open source people. Opera was I the loved thing. Firefox. Firefox was Chrome, great yeah. until it got yeah. too big for itself. Then Chrome <laughs> became like the big popular dominant thing and that was great for everybody and that showed the power of competition. But I think the government was right to point out like hey Microsoft if you're push if you're pimping your own thing it's really hard for anything else to to survive. And Netscape Navigator back in the day that was the thing you had to pay for. Poor thing. I believe it was like 30 to 40 bucks. So and Microsoft had this free browser in their OS, who would pay for Netscape? That's a sort of anti-competitive behavior that was the issue back then. Now it's just, I think it's Facebook's complete size. Um,
0: The other thing I wanted to say was, yes, there's a lot of things that Facebook is doing that are anti-competitive, but to your point, that I, I don't think that trying to undo the acquisitions of Instagram and WhatsApp Really is the way to go, sure. what are they going to do? shop for a new owner? Are we going to sell it to Oracle again like what's going to happen? i don't know this is but this is
1: yeah it's new it's in territory, else. but I think yeah the things you guys everybody has to keep in mind is that Facebook has nearly three billion users. Facebook has more power and more money than most countries on this planet, and that's something somehow our government is has to like try to regulate like that's the problem. And then meanwhile, by the way, we've talked about this during the congressional hearings. Typically, it's conservatives whining to these companies about how unfairly (laughs) they're being treated, And then it's the Democrats and everybody else being like, well, these are the actual competitive issues. It is very funny to see them all kind of rally together in this like snowball of just hatred towards tech companies to produce this thing. But it seems messy. I don't I don't think it's going to be a big like I don't think it's going to be a simple solution. But breaking up Facebook, if you go back and look at the history of Ma Bell, you know, the history of at and and how it kind of dominated everything and killed competition, it does seem like we're going to ha- start to have these bigger conversations around these giant companies. And I I don't know. I'm not a legal expert here. You know, I'm not a trade expert. But I do think I look at Facebook, I see a company that is getting way too big. I see it being led by a guy like Mark Zuckerberg, who has never really thought about... I don't think he ever has fully understood the power of his platform. He's always kind of denied it. Like after the 2016 election, he spent a lot of time publicly saying, oh, no, 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 no. We, we, you know, we are not influencing anything here. But meanwhile, there are private stories of how internally they knew, you know, there were extremist groups. There was a lot of like uh, fake news groups. They knew a lot of things happening on their platform. They didn't do much about it. That directly influenced the real world. To me, that's scary I think overall, we're going to need some, you know, we need smarter government regulation. We need smarter oversight over tech. But that's a big thing. Like, that means we need a whole new wave of people in power who can actually judge these things properly. Um, and, yeah, that it just seems like this is a big move. Um, it's going to be a big story for a very long time. And Facebook is going to fight it tooth and nail, right? Because Facebook's comment was basically The FTC's charges are revisionist history. We made these brands so big, they wouldn't be big without us, which is technically true. But if you go look at stuff around, um, some stories around Instagram, once it was integrated with Facebook, um, Sarah Freer's, uh, you know, very, uh, her great book, No Filter, which talks about the entire Instagram-Facebook deal. Facebook did a lot to really keep Instagram down, too. Like, they really... Didn't want them to have free reign. They wanted, in a way, they bought Instagram so they could kind of control it and build their own Facebook photo product too, potentially to see if that would get bigger or not. It didn't, but that was kind of the anti-competitive part of what they were talking about there. What do you, what do you think, Shirlin? Like, do you think a company as big as Facebook needs to be reined in more?
0: I mean, I think the entire conglomerate of like big tech companies, right? Yeah. And Facebook, in its response, called <laughs> out. Microsoft, Google, Apple as its competitors. At first, I was like, really? And then I was like, but then I was like, you know what? In terms of scope, scale, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, but it doesn't mean you're not Mm -hmm. stifling competition in your space. Um, I just... the point we've made in this podcast several times now is that, yes, we need better regulation. We need people in power who know what they're talking about, who know how to, you know, go toe to toe with these tech titans. And also think that, remember, I mean, that like they're not operating only domestically. These are mm-hmm. huge internationally, globally. So yeah. maybe it's some sort of international oversight board. Maybe it's that that is <laughs> We, we I need don't the know.
1: UN for <laughs> multi yeah, tech UN. multinational tech <laughs> conglomerates. Oh, man. And uh, you you look at, like, how well that's done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you think about how the different countries have different regulations. Like, for example, Brazil's already said that, uh, you know, Apple can't uh, ship the phones without a charger in them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Brazil's recently in this week or last week announced that. So we have, like, different countries doing different things, and, and yes. The rules and international rules are always going to be tricky to navigate. But if we make it easier to, if like these companies have so much power, then all the countries can, you know, band together and have a lot of power. I don't know. I'm not a politician. Y'all decide how to (laughs) run the world. But I'm just saying, there's other ways we got to be thinking about this. These Mm -hmm. are huge companies. These are global. And so it's a huge issue.
1: Two points I want to bring up here. The FTC and the states and everybody who are really pushing against Facebook, they're saying the company has hurt consumers by squashing competition And hurting privacy, too. Because don't forget, once Instagram came in, once WhatsApp came in, they were all just more data points for Facebook, right? It didn't take too long before Instagram just became something that linked you back to Facebook or Mm -hmm. brought it, you know, kind of started to cross-link stuff between Instagram and Facebook, which ruined the Instagram user experience, too. Yep. And that's... Honestly, kind of what allowed for newer, more innovative platforms like TikTok to come about because they weren't saddled with the need to constantly be part of Facebook. It is—it's right. funny because Facebook is basically just replaying the Microsoft playbook here of getting too big, trying to bring right. everybody into the Borg, and becoming too big and not nimble or innovative enough because of that. Um, yeah, this is going to be an ongoing thing. But let us know what you guys think. Shoot us an email at podcastingadget.com. And we'll we'll definitely be talking about this for a long time. And our next topic is something that dropped uh, pretty much as soon as last week's episode landed is that Warner Brothers announced that it's going to be premiering its entire slate of movies from 2021 on HBO Max. And uh, I just want to say, first of all, I know I'm talking a lot in this episode. It is. I feel like I'm making up for last week's episode. Go back and listen to that. <laughs> for not everybody. being
0: part of the fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, for not being part of the fun. But go back and listen to that one if you missed last week. Because Sherlyn and Desconda did a great job of talking about, what was it? Dating tips and advice for
0: what was surviving it? Yes. breakups online and everything <laughs> with
1: Dr. Nerdlove. That was a great chat. It was really fun. Be sure you take a listen to that. But this news, as somebody who's a cinephile, as somebody who... I've been doing a movie review podcast since 2008. It kind of hit me in a, in a surprising way because we don't know if movie theaters are going to be safe next year. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. that's what WB Warner brothers is really betting on here. If they put these movies on HBO max, a service that's kind of floundering that has is not as popular as Disney plus um, Mm -hmm. and doesn't have the same sort of fandom that could generate more subscribers that could get some value out of these movies even though they're not going to be making the big box office in the theaters, they are still going to be premiering some theaters. So the deal is all these movies, including The Suicide Squad, Matrix 4, I'm shocked by this, Dude <laughs> will be appearing on HBO Max for Ooh. one month when they premiere at theaters. And that's some theaters across the U.S. and theaters across the world, too, I assume. Um, but just one month. And then after that, those movies will go away and you'll be able to rent them or buy them or get the Blu-ray, you know, in a couple of months afterwards uh, as you normally do. But the idea here is that they're premiering on HBO Max. By the way, HBO Max, as starting with Wonder Woman on Christmas Day, will support 4K and HDR and all the like fancy <laughs> image tech I've wanted from them for so long. So the actual viewing experience will be pretty good at home, too. Um, first thoughts, Shilin, like, how do you feel about this as somebody who you watch a ton of movies? I don't know how much of a theater goer you were in the before. Right, exactly. You watch a lot of
0: movies. (laughs) I'm a big fan of watching things at home in my friend's homes, that sort of thing. Um, and this already solves one of my problems, which is whenever I go to like within my quarantine bubble, hang out with my friend. Uh, we don't know what to watch. So now that, like, there's things coming up, we can, like, because we used to go to the theaters here in our neighborhood. We used to just go out, like, every other Sunday and just go watch a movie. Now it's like, okay, well, we're gonna watch this this week. And we've already planned for Christmas, we're gonna watch Wonder Woman because excited (laughs) is gonna be (laughs) really Sunday's (laughs) (laughs) VO Max. Um, and I have HBO Max and not Disney plus so I'm actually really glad it's happening on HBO Max. Um, obviously like however they negotiate it worked out in HBO's favor. Um, I do think we wondered if you know this year would be the like sick like, a, a hint of like what's to come for movie mm-hmm. theaters in future um with the film industry having to slow down a lot of production as well because they just didn't know you know well with lockdowns happening so then now they don't have a lot of titles to fill theaters with yeah, yeah. everything is just kind of slowing to a halt in the film industry and maybe this is a way around that maybe this is mm-hmm. you know a good way for warner media to drop it i don't know everyone's at sure, home what sure. else are they i mean do? everyone's at home
1: so here's i think one criticism is that um it sounds like they had to really work out some stringent deals for these movies because these are all movies Warner Brothers was distributing, so these mm-hmm. are already part of their their right. their kind of suite of things, their I don't know, portfolio of movies. Um, there are arguments that they've basically been self dealing because of this because they didn't allow the filmmakers and the producers of all these movies right. to start negotiating deals with Netflix or Hulu or other platforms to see like would they pay more. There are legit arguments here because. Um, there was a lot of reporting this week that uh Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot were paid extra money like they were paid I think around 10 million each to mm. get Wonder Woman on HBO Max as sort of a way to you know make make nice it's make nice money yeah. because those are people who would be making extra money off the box office of that movie which would be earning over a billion dollars most likely you know that that that's yeah. sort of a nice thing HBO did not do that for any of these other movies they didn't even tell you know, the the producers, the directors, the actors, Yeah, it was kind of a blindside moment. So Christopher Nolan, the very vocal, you know, director <laughs> of the Dark Knight trilogy and everything in Tenet, he is a pro film guy. He was the guy pushing for Tenet to actually be released in theaters. And um, he hates this, unsurprisingly. <laughs> of course. And I, I get it. I get it because he's a guy who cherishes the theatrical experience so much so that he dedicated himself to using the clunkiest and most difficult cameras and produ- you know producing movies for IMAX <laughs> screens which only a few people could access this guy always wanted to do movies the hard way and that's what he loves i do think part of his argument falls apart because warner brothers really wanted to make him happy with tenet so proceeded to launch that movie in theaters in what was it september or august mm-hmm.
0: in the I middle of a global now. pandemic
1: yes. Yeah, it was they basically had a traditional launch with that movie. It kind of died at the box office because reminder, things are not good. (laughs) Nobody's going to movie theaters and that strategy just didn't work out. So I do feel like Warner brothers um, and Warner media are just doing, you know, the complete opposite strategy of where they just put everything on streaming at the beginning, see how that kind of helps HBO max and maybe they could get some value out of that as You know, as a consumer, yeah, I want to see these movies. I don't want to go to theaters until there's a vaccine, until things are safe. Yeah. Um, A lot of people are talking about this as a potential like, oh, no, this is the death of cinema. I do wonder if this is more like the death of movie going in a sense as we have it, like especially multiplexes, because I don't know, I'm I'm old enough to remember a world without, you know, giant theaters with like 15 to 20 screens. I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut. We didn't get like a multiplex until 1998 or 99 or something, you know. So a lot of times when I had to go to movies, there were smaller theaters, you know, things with like two or three screens. Uh, There weren't really indie theaters back then, but there were smaller theaters. I do feel like we'll kind of go back to that. Maybe we'll see some of the movie palace, the beautiful giant theaters kind of come (laughs) back, which would just have like one screen and screen, you know, screen things that people will actually want to see rather than the giant multiplexes. I wouldn't feel too bad if multiplexes go away, but I, I hope theater going and cinema going survives in some form right because we we're all going to miss that communal experience after lockdown and after all of this
0: i i, I mean mm-hmm. yes i'm gonna miss being in a like you've written about this before but missing being in the same space with people while sure. we're all reacting to the same things unfold on tv everyone's yeah, screaming yeah. or laughing at the same time that's didn't great. we
1: see avengers endgame oh my god Are you together gonna... <laughs> okay and the visceral I will always remember Sherlyn just, like, gripping my arm as people oh were dying God. and superheroes were, like, crying. fighting. Yeah, Sherlyn was very emotional about this movie. <laughs> and I wouldn't have that experience if we, were, if we were just, like, watching it at home or something. Like, I feel like it's a very different thing. You were <laughs> yeah, part of the crowd, Sherlin.
0: I was. I think that I, I felt people a were crying. Really people were crying all yeah. around
1: us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. People were reacting. I think <laughs> I got caught up with everyone else's emotion. I'm yeah. an empath. Yeah. So I get caught up with people's emotions <laughs> and I like was just like Captain America lifted Thor uh Me on
1: here. And I just
0: started crying. Yeah. Um but <laughs> well <laughs> the the yes, I agree with you, I think I will be sad if that goes away forever. I don't think it is going away forever, it can't be but forever. I, yeah, it won't be, but I am also a little bit of like a germ phobe, right, so like, sure, sure. okay, I'm not going to miss being like in a packed room having to like breathe everyone else's air or breath mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. um, the one thing I wanted to say too, which is why uh, part of the thing I'm glad about uh, hBO Max releasing all of these Warner Brothers movies or films is. That they're they don't seem to be doing the Disney Plus thing with Mulan where they're going to charge you an extra fee on no. top of the streaming subscription you're already paying. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. something that I'm thankful for. I know it doesn't do the movie industry a lot of good. Um, it depends on obviously what HBO Max is paying Warner, but to your point, right? It doesn't seem well. To be no, HBO extra Max extra is Warner. To,
1: that's the thing. They I don't mean, yeah. pay anything, right? Because it's
0: they're just releasing it through their, their streaming it. thing. So and they get all the benefit. Not, yeah. Right, they're reaping in whatever else they're reaping mm-hmm. from these films releasing on their own streaming service. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's true. When I'm watching with like two friends in front of a, like mm-hmm. in a tiny living room, definitely, I don't think I was gonna cry about Captain America lifting. Me <laughs> on
1: but it's the thing. Like, think about I don't know. <laughs> I know most people don't go to the theater as much as I do. But hey, I do a movie podcast. Typically, every year, I will be at a theater. You know, over fifty times a year to yeah. see individual movies and different things. Even when it's not a huge crowd, if it's a small crowd in indie theaters, I love to sit in the front row at BAM in Brooklyn. It's my favorite spot. Oh. And just hear the entire crowd behind me. Because if it's a sad movie, it's a very moving movie, you kind of feel the energy of the crowd. Um, we're social animals. you know. We yeah. want these things. And I think Steven Soderbergh, the director, made a really good point where he is a he is guy who's always like trying to push digital video And trying to, like, try new ideas. So he's a lot more innovative than Mr. Christopher Nolan. Uh, But Soderbergh is basically saying there are a ton of companies who have built their entire business model around these potentially billion-dollar releases, right? And you can only get that by putting movies in theaters, making Mm -hmm. people buy tickets, having people buy concessions to support Mm -hmm. the actual movie theaters. That whole thing only, you know, that mechanism already exists, and maybe... It won't be as big and powerful as it was after the pandemic, but uh, as it was before. But I do think so many companies have invested in this, like Disney basically for the last decade has just been producing billion dollar, billion dollar hit. And no matter what you do on streaming, you're never going to get that right yeah. you And that's a downside for these companies. It's Unless a plus for consumers. But yeah,
0: they start putting ads on movies, which I really don't want to. No, so shut she... up.
1: Don't I even No, I know, about this. I
0: know. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> don't give them ideas, Shirley.
0: I don't want to. Please don't. <laughs> I will stop watching your movies if you put advertisements and all commercials on them.
1: Uh, sounds like somebody has not watched a movie on Crackle yet. Sony's. I have.
0: Crackle. I have. And Tubi. Tubi is the same. Crackle. Didn't Crackle die? Tubi. I think Crackle. Sling, uh, Pluto TV. Sling TV. There's uh-huh. so many free to watch. IMDb TV. <laughs> Roku oh, TV. Man. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: If you don't mind ads, you'll have a lot of free movies. You know that you can check out. <laughs> CD Projekt Red announced Cyberpunk 2077 in 2012. We saw a trailer, a teaser in 2013. And since then, I feel like the entire gaming world has been waiting eagerly for this thing. Joining us to talk about it is Jessica Condit, our senior editor, and also video game expert who reviewed it for us in Gadget. Hey, Jess. Hello. Was it worth the wait for you?
2: It was. It was. Um, So Cyberpunk is good. Like straight up, that's just my takeaway. <laughs> okay. It's like I I don't want to say it's fine because it's mm-hmm. better than fine. It's better than mm-hmm. fine. I don't want to say yeah. I don't want to say it's great though because it's not quite like it doesn't stick out in my mind as as something that really that really pulled me in affected me in a way that that I know I'm going to remember sure. you know years down the mm-hmm. line. It's just a solid game mm-hmm. from a from a studio that really knows how to make a, a dense good RPG. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, and buggy, apparently, especially on <laughs> consoles, as we're finding out. Um, a beautiful and buggy mess. Yeah, beautiful and buggy mess, and that's kind of what it is. How um, much? Uh, you um, know, I, I have some issues. How but, much yeah.
1: time have you clocked in at this point, Jess?
2: About twenty hours still. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am in Cyberpunk Overload at the moment. <laughs> I need to step back. This is my last Cyberpunk thing for a while. Okay. I'm hoping, okay. um, And then I'm going to be able to enjoy it just as a as a player, mm-hmm. which is always the
1: best part. Yeah. That's great. I, uh, so I, I played the the retail copy that just unlocked last mm-hmm. night too. And I sat down it was kind of a fortuitous event because the baby went down just fine. My wife was just tired. So she wanted to just do other stuff. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go play video games. And five hours later I emerged <laughs> from my basement. It was like, Oh, I think I really like this game. <laughs> like it is a very, yes. it is very immersive thing. Um, and, it's buggy. It's messy. I have issues with, like, the writing because it's very, like, it's not great dialogue-wise. But I'm very immersed in this world. It really reminds me, actually, of Deus Ex Human Revolution, which, like, 2011, the the Eidos game, I love that thing. I love that thing. I remember spending hours in that game, just really being immersed in the world. And this is basically... That concept, you know, first person cyberpunky story with like hacking and uh, augments you can add to yourself, but in an actual open world. So it's combining that mm-hmm. plus like the the huge expansive world of something like, you know, um, what's it Grand Theft Auto.
2: I think is Grand Theft Auto. It's like, it's very
1: much Grand the, the, the size and everything. Yeah. yeah, And
2: even the driving, the city. Mm-hmm. But like that, I think you touched on something important. There is like. It's like Deus Ex. Yes. It's like Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. It's like John Wick. It's like Old Boy. Even like I, <laughs> I like that's what I I felt some Old Boy vibes personally. Yeah,
1: I yeah. That that I love Old too. Boy. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, that's you know that's mm-hmm. a good touchstone for anything. So like again, it's it's referencing and it's building on this foundation that's very cool and very established. It it is not necessarily an innovative. It's not changing the yeah, yeah, cyberpunk yeah. genre in any way. But again, hey, it's called cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty classic, and they they really did deliver that. It's a 1980s version of the future, mm-hmm. um, just kind of expanded out uh, from a from a you know 2000s perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 an interesting. See, like you said, dialogue you didn't really like. I actually love the dialogue. There's some good stuff. The, yeah. Yeah, I think the mood that they set in this game is really cool. There's some scenes that are truly beautiful, like one-on-one interactions with characters, especially, Mm -hmm. uh, where they really get the lighting right. The acting is solid. Um, The acting in this game is great, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, It it does feel like uh, you're in a movie, right? Because every conversation is fully voiced. Like, it is... At least the main conversations and the missions and the story stuff is all pretty immersive. I think you start to break those lines once you step outside of that and start to talk to people like in rooms. You know, every room, every street is widely populated. But if you stand up to people and try to talk to them, it's just like, hey, get, get out of my way. Who are you? Yeah, It's very like one dimensional in that way. Um, I also want to bring up watchdogs here. Because I also uh, thought quite a lot about like the way Watch Dogs works and the way you can just hack everything in the world, take over cameras, take over you know uh, attack the augments people have or things people have on their bodies. Uh, it is too bad for Watch Dog Legion, which also came out a couple weeks ago and a game I put a couple hours into because I like that franchise. But I'm playing this and I'm like, oh, this is this is full. Like this is much more mature and evolved. It's not. And yeah, it's not like pushing things forward in a major way, but it is so refined and so polished. I'll say I'm playing it on, uh, I'm testing out the uh, NVIDIA RTX 3060 Ti right now, the more affordable GPU. And it's running fine, too. Like, it's running fine with ray tracing. I have an ultra-wide monitor, so I'm playing it like 3440 by 1400, I believe, with ray tracing and like NVIDIA's DLSS stuff which really helps because that uh, renders the game at a lower resolution, uses AI to kind of display it at a higher resolution, basically decent performance. So I can run it between 50 and 60 FPS on my system. And that's great with ray tracing. I know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what your experience has been so far performance-wise, Jess.
2: Yeah, so I'm playing, I, I have a 2070, mm-hmm. RTX 2070. And it's, I have to run it on pretty low like ray tracing settings. I can put ray tracing on, but I'm not maxing anything out. Um, and it's, it runs fine. I had one crash that like legit the game just stopped yeah, working. I yeah. had to restart. Um, and I've had a few other bugs, you know, but it's been patched uh, since I've had my review copy. And I think the patch that you have is different than the one I had mm. I had to re-download a different patch. So I did, Either I way. did
1: the preload. I started preloading over GOG. Is that just GOG? But I started yeah. preloading <laughs> over GOG on Wednesday, right? Or Tuesday. And then Wednesday, midday, another 10 gigabyte file just came in automatically. So I assume that was the thing. And it wasn't as buggy as a lot of reviewers were saying, because I I read so many things where things were just, like, fundamentally broken. Um, But I do encounter some instances where things are just, like, weird and wild. Um, Trillin, have you Mm -hmm. seen any footage of this game? Like, is this something you want to dive into? It looks beautiful.
0: Okay, so uh, (laughs) one of the people on our video team, Julio, live-streamed some of it yesterday on his Twitch account. And... um, he also shouts out, by the way, that the dialogue is great. I just watched part of the building a character bit, which I read your review, uh, Jess, and I know we should talk a little bit about that. But like, it seems super customizable. And uh, is Keanu Reeves actually in this? Because I've seen mm-hmm. the memes. <laughs>
1: well, oh, is he in it? Yes,
2: yeah. he is. Oh, he's in it then.
1: He is okay. a major, uh, major character. Yeah. It's
0: cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, because I thought it was just someone who built a character who looked like Yon <laughs> uh, <laughs> and just was running about playing. Um, but, but I I mean, that seems really great. I, I do want, though, because this is giving me... Okay, so this is showing, again, the sort of games I play. But uh, this is, is reminding Is there solitaire
1: me of, in cyberpunk? I think that's all Shirlin <laughs> <yeah>. was.
0: <with>. This <laughs> is reminding me of uh, the games I used to play on my really shitty old PCs in the past, which is uh, mm-hmm. CSI. Uh, yeah, the CSI yeah. games. Oh man, those <laughs> oh are God. so great. It is very CSI. Yeah. Yeah. I want a really? cyberpunk version
1: of CSI. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. Well okay, I have a game for you. I have a game yeah. for you. Nancy Drew Murder, Murder want... Mystery. Yeah. Oh I no you you to play
2: and everyone, if you're looking for a sci-fi game to like actually immerse you in a world, like innovate on yeah. the genre Disco Elysium. Mm,
1: that's the RPG feed. So Play
2: disco Elysium. Yeah. Is it walk a, away? Is like, it mystery solving? Can I look for clues? You're a detective, it's great. You're okay. gonna love it. Oh yeah. Like it's it's very, very sneaky, yeah. very investigative. It's an adventure yeah.
1: game. Back but to it's cyberpunk. mostly reading and clicking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of reading. Back to c- Cyberpunk, the the character building, uh, or or building your avatar, Jess. What did you think about that?
2: Yeah, so actually the character creation system I had a lot of fun with. I spent a lot of time making my character which is the sign of a Mm -hmm. a good Mm -hmm. uh, generator so they have a lot of customization features um you can choose uh like you can choose like a a a male body or a female body like those are the Mm -hmm. the defaults and then you go in and the the thing that i really liked about it was just the depth that was that was available you can change your Nails, your teeth, your nipple size, your genitals. You sure. can you can add multiple genitals, genitals you'd like choices. In. Apparently, can yeah. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can change the size. Mm-hmm. It's actually it's nice. It's mm-hmm. a, it, I appreciate that kind of detail in a character editor. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I did have an issue with in the character editor was the voice options. Um, it, it was just a strange choice, yeah. especially for a piece of speculative fiction. Um, they only have a basically a male or a female voice option. And they they kind of just ignore the idea of a non-binary or a they or them kind <laughs> of approach. Um, not saying the voice needs to be different, but just the idea that in the dialogue, you can't have that option uh, to be non-binary. In this world, that includes so many other details that are specific to this future that has been built out and has evolved from this place. And the idea that we have like cellular implant shards in the back of our head, but we don't have they or them pronouns (laughs) Um, kind of, kind of like doesn't, doesn't really Mm -hmm. sit well in terms of consistency or world building to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's especially sticks out to me because CD Projekt Red uh, has a history of, of really not taking um, transgender and non-binary and gender fluid Mm -hmm. uh, people's concerns Mm -hmm. uh, seriously when it comes to the stuff that they're putting in this game seems like they haven't earned the right to um, have like the advertisement uh, that they have that is uh, a bit um, exploitative and transphobic. Yeah. uh, They'll use
1: trans identities for set dressing, basically, but not Mm -hmm. to actively engage and let you be one of those characters. Um, One thing that was also really weird about the character generator, too, is that you have all these options. You have so much customization. You have one type of body build. Right. Basically, like you you can either be like a very skinny, muscular uh, female character or like a bulky, muscular man. And that's it. Like, it's not great for not great for, you know, uh, if somebody wants to play uh, maybe heavier character or something like somebody who wants to play a character that looks like them. This is not really the game for you. It's all about idealized you know, cyberpunk protagonist, you want somebody that's cool looking, muscular and skinny and kick some ass. Um, I found that really funny that that's one thing that was, how hard is that? Because it's not like you're seeing your character model very much. You see yourself in a mirror once in a while. And the mirrors are funny too, because they're like digital. So you have to go Mm -hmm. up to a mirror and hit a button and be like, oh, mirror, turn on. Because that that's the sort of like shitty future I believe we will probably get into. You know, a smart device, mm-hmm. that's actually harder to use than the mirrors that have existed for thousands of years. Um so that detail is funny, also because it saves on game rendering and everything, so they don't have to deal with as many reflections. But that's the only time you see your character. You know, like occasionally unless third you're person. like on on the bike. On a you bike, can, yeah. like get on
2: Jackie's bike. But like, no, it's not a ton. You're you're in first person. So mm-hmm. like you just see hands usually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I like it,
2: the, I do like the detail they have, like all the the wires and the like. Mm-hmm. They really put thought, and they definitely were were building out a realistic, futuristic world, near future science mm-hmm. fiction. Um, and so, like it just when they when they don't do it in certain aspects,
1: yeah.
2: it feels like why, mm-hmm. <laughs> you
1: know, it why does,
2: wasn't that? Why didn't you do it there too?
1: Part of it to me feels like it's like futurism and cyberpunk as aesthetic, and not as like anything meaningful either too right because it's not i'm a big fan of ghost in the shell you know it's it's not really something where people are wrestling with their sense of identity and what these augments mean to them and how they define their humanity even though i know that is actually a big part of the actual cyberpunk tabletop game too you know created by Mm -hmm. mike pondsmith um like that the idea of wrestling with your humanity has always been at the core of what cyberpunk is and this game's just like, well, it's you got you got stuff in your face. You got stuff. You got wires. Wires are cool. Like It's using them aesthetically in the way that some people use like um, piercings or tattoos. I don't know if it actually means anything to the characters because they, they don't really reference it. It's just like the state of the world. And I guess that's the message they're going for, right? It's just like everything's kind of shitty. And look at this bad tech that is just making our lives worse. But it doesn't really comment on it, at least from what I've seen right. so far. Mm-hmm.
2: Which is what I was kind of hoping for, I think, or maybe it's not that I even expected it. Like I kind of, I kind of knew this was going to be, you know, I saw a lot of previews of this game and you can read all of them on Engadget. gadget. Um, but like it, it was clearly a blade runner, you know, inspired cyberpunk world. Um, I, I was hoping for a little, a little surprise though. I was hoping Mm -hmm. for something that made me think a little more. Um, I really like cyberpunk. I like thinking about these futures, uh, that's why, I think that's why maybe I'm extra critical when they, mm-hmm. when they don't get it quite right. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I think it it is an interesting story in the end. It's, it's, but it's classic. Yeah. It,
0: it's, it's just not really saying, saying
2: much new.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I, think, I do think. I think mm-hmm, go ahead.
0: It's funny that like you have so many customization options for so many things, down yes. to minor details like the nail color and w- color of the blusher on your face or whatever, and for for both genders or all genders, mm-hmm. right? But then yeah, the body build types are so limited. Like the vendor pointed out, it's that's just. Definitely funny because my experience with building my avatar mostly comes from Sims, and Sims lets you build as wide as you want, yeah, pretty yeah. much. So, so that that to me seems like an interesting limitation and in the way they kind of want you to see yourself as mm-hmm. you play this game. But I haven't played so y'all, I don't know what that means to someone who's actually played that game. Like, does it make a huge difference? Like, just said you don't see yourself a lot in this, just- so.
1: It's so it's a weird thing because I think any first person game, I want to like embody. If I'm building a character, I want it to at least reflect some vision I have of the character. Right. So, you know, I made I made a very cool cyberpunk tough fighting lady uh, who has like a lot of cool features and whatnot and a cool hairdo, um, mm-hmm. but not like the reflection that I really want to put into that world. Mm-hmm. It feels like part of it was just forced on me. Um, and I think there, there's a difference. But playing a game like Dishonored or something, right, or a first person action game where you're just playing one specific character you have no character gen you get into that character in a different way but if you give me if you give me the prospect of character generation at least like live up to it you know let me actually build something that looks more like i i want to look and maybe they can fix this down the line it seems like a simple enough thing to uh to kind of optimize there there are a lot of stories about the issues around this game right they've been Basically in crunch mode for the past year, for the majority of the past year, even though CD Projekt Red said they weren't going to be doing that, the reality of building a game this big is that people have to work hard. and They have to work hard for very long, and that is not a way I want developers to live. So as a counterpoint, right, um, Halo Infinite just announced it's being, del- it's being delayed for a full year. We're not seeing Halo Ooh. Infinite until next year, partially because – and next fall – Partially because they wanted the developers to have some downtime over the holidays, they wanted people to kind of have time to work on this thing and make it good. That's you know it's not great news for Halo and Xbox overall, but it is. It's something that's like very developer focused because I, I think the world can live without another Halo game for for a couple months. You know, let's make something actually truly innovative for a while. Um, yeah, that, that's like the yeah. big thing hitting me here. I think that's
0: laudable. I would yeah, love to yeah. like. Chill on the news for a bit, so I can take some time off. But okay, I guess. Not. Yeah, it turns out
1: like having time to think and not being overworked and burned out makes you produce better work. Yeah, huh.
2: shocking. shocking. Well, and Halo, Halo needed some work. Yeah, to, from what we yeah. saw. So I'm glad that they're taking the time. I'm glad they're giving the developers, yeah, the time to do it right and, and feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we want.
1: Mm-hmm. Just you see, Cyberpunk as a game, you'll be spending more time in even after you you know end the main narrative. Or are you gonna be digging around the world and looking at? The corners and side stories and whatnot.
2: It's possible because, like, so I started playing it on PC, mm-hmm. um, and I want to play it though on console. So I may start actually a new game, and mm-hmm. I may I may just do a whole new run through, and nice. maybe you know start from a different place and, <laughs> and uh, like We're change good. my background. <laughs> yes, Jolynn, she's very excited. Hi, doing uh, her frame. can,
0: I, can you play <laughs> online with friends? Can I play with you? oh it's not
1: that kind of you can <laughs> you can watch a- <laughs> jess's twitch stream if, if you can Jess watch it. yeah
0: i will but Please, i want to like create my character and go with Jess's character on like a tour of Cyberpunk. you want to be like, like the annoying fairy the on
1: jess's shoulder like that. yeah that's
0: what i, I, I do. want yeah <laughs> that's what me and Jess yeah. want but
1: Jess, I have you tried not. by the way because i know are you playing on a laptop right yeah yeah so have you tried plugging that into your tv and like plugging in a controller and doing mm-hmm. it like as a console like thing is that how you're doing it
2: that's how I first tried to play, uh-huh. and the delay between my laptop and the TV screen uh, was like too much to really make it work and i sucks. couldn't I couldn't figure out how to make it mm-hmm. any less um, mm-hmm. so I ended up but I, I did play with a controller. I didn't play mm-hmm. with a keyboard and mouse and yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy that
1: I love yeah. i I mean this is a first person game and typically you think keyboard and mouse, but I like mm-hmm. the controller feedback for driving for other things, and also you yeah. get vibration you know you get some feedback that you don't normally get with the keyboard and mouse so sorry pc purists out there but yeah that's the way it is uh so overall you're enjoying it though jess i think that's our main takeaway here yeah Despite yeah, it's good it's
2: sexy <laughs> like it's yeah no it, it there are some issues whatever but it's a good game i'm mm-hmm. really enjoying it and that's what i was trying to convey in my reviews mm-hmm. i know the fandom around this game is pretty strong you know like you said it's highly mm-hmm. anticipated people have been waiting for this for eight years so have i like mm-hmm. i've really been yeah. excited about this game yeah Um, and that's why like CD Projekt Red knows, knew what the issues were. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've, they've really created something. Um, I think that's, that's impressive. They should be proud of, you know, that's great. Uh, but obviously need some more work still. They Mm -hmm. need to clean out these bugs in a year. This game is going to run great (laughs) and it's going to, and it's going to be fine.
1: And I hope like Um, they they add more content down the line to like optimize things a little, change up the character generation. I hope they actually acknowledge the issues people are bringing up because the way they've handled trans identity hasn't been great and they've it's a weird thing too because i think as a culture you know it's a it's a touchy subject for a lot of people like dave chappelle comedian i love very much is still kind of shitty about that and Mm -hmm. hey i think we've got a lot of evolving to do as a culture but it is kind of cool i guess it is kind of interesting that this is a game that at least puts certain things front and center even if it's not engaging with it maybe that's something but i don't know if it's enough
2: yeah, the the game can't just use uh, trans identity as set dressing. Yep. you know, you yep. have to actually, yeah, like you say, engage with it. You have to make it a part of the world in a meaningful way. I don't think the studio has done that, um, but maybe they can in the future. I I have hope. I really do. I
1: hope so. We gotta, but we just got to yeah.
2: keep talking about it. You know. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing.
1: Uh, one thing I'll say here too is that I'm still waiting for the moment where like the writing really grabs me or really impresses me too because i couldn't at this point i put cd project red up there next to rockstar in terms of companies that are spend years producing these giant open world things and the thing about rockstar is that for all the you know we criticize it quite a bit and i think they're not great with a lot of topics but sometimes like i think of like grand theft auto 4 and how that was a really great story about the immigrant experience in america and the Mm -hmm. the dlc in that like sometimes the writing just kind of hits you in a certain way red dead redemption 2 not a huge spoiler there, but you know, that's a game that's really about somebody who is dying. You know, it is playing somebody who is slowly dying. Who's not just the badass Western guy. And I feel like that stuff, uh, rockstar tends to do well. I'm hoping for more of that from CD project red, uh, maybe as they produce more content or as they refine what's in this game. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think that's the main thing. I don't, I can't remember the last time I sat down and played a single game for five hours. And that Mm -hmm. says a lot that I was able to be like immersed in this world and lose track of time completely. So Jess, thank you for chatting about cyberpunk. Where can we find you on the internet and anything you're working on in gadget that we can look forward to?
2: Oh man, I'm working on everything. (laughs) Um, yeah. So the game awards are tonight. This is Thursday. So I have a few embargoed stories that I'm working on for that.
1: Very Um,
2: and then, then there's going to be some other news I'm sure that I'll be very surprised (laughs) by and I'll have to scramble to write as that happens. Um, Yeah, just I'm talking to some cool developers, so you know, stay tuned for interviews. And you can find me on Twitter at Jess Condit, C O N D I T T, and on Instagram, Jess L Condit.
1: Cool, thank you, Jess. Yay!
0: All right, so I haven't been playing any Cyberpunk, but there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I think you have seen, I teased this up. And on the previous episode, I've been reviewing the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Fold. It is the first foldable PC <gasps> that you can buy, which, why? Why do you want to fold Windows? I don't Let's know. Let's just, but, uh, uh, what, what's your
1: score? What Just tell us your score, and ooh, I think we'll know I think it was 64. Feel. 64. Um,
0: out of 100, which is very low for us. We, yes. we usually, like, an 80-something is a meh.
1: 80, 85, scale. I feel like, is a average, good... Like, you can buy this type of score. For yeah, 64 is right. stay the hell away from this. 64
0: yeah. is... I don't think there's reason to buy this. No. And I really don't think there's reason to buy this because I have it with me here now. And it's... <laughs> Windows is one of the biggest issues with this where, like windows is one of my biggest issues with the price is my second biggest issue with this It's 26 25 to 26 hundred dollars to start with that you're just getting the tablet with the built-in kickstand so you can either hook up your own keyboard and mouse and use it as like a screen or like an all-in-one but small right like a 13 inch AIO but uh like otherwise you're using it as a tablet and windows as a tablet we all know sucks it's just completely terrible. I There was so many glitches, not to mention all the glitches. It's like, I was frustrated. There's a lot of people in the industry that have reviewed it too that has similar issues. I couldn't go into every single glitch that came up in my review. There's just not enough words, not mm-hmm, enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I was switching orientations, for example, from landscape to portrait mode, all the apps I had, op- like all the windows I had minimized to the taskbar would come up the second you like switch orientation <laughs> You can see this in the review video. We have it in the recording. It's just, w- why? I don't want why? to be bombarded by all the apps at once. Um, so that went up for more of the, our thoughts. You can check that out. Um, and I can talk about this later on uh, when we're talking to the live chat q audience, too. But right now, I am actually reviewing the Amazon Echo Frames. I haven't put on glasses in a long time. <laughs> um... But these are cool. These are Amazon's uh, Alexa-enabled frames. I, chunky, I accidentally chunky, said yeah, the wake word, so now, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and actually, they're surprisingly lightweight so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really liking them, and you, they have open ear like audio projection, so you can hear music if you stream through them. Uh, you can also is it hear bone dig-
1: conduction or are they like little speakers? No, it's know? like
0: it's more similar to Bose's way, which okay. is like it's projecting into your mm-hmm. ear canal the the audio. Um, and then there's a touch sensitive panel. There's buttons on the bottom of the right arm uh, to control volume and like answer questions or whatever. So far, I'm having fun with it, um, but I've only had it for a day. So stay tuned for the full review on that. Cool. And then I'm also working on putting together our um, best and worst of the year coverage. I, I would love our listeners and viewers to chime in and let me know what you thought were some of the best things in 2020 and some of the worst things in tech in 2020. Because we have our list, you know, we're
1: so many know, bad working things. On it. Yeah.
0: So, well, there are actually surprisingly a lot more good things than there are bad things. Mm-hmm. So, I'd love to hear everyone, like, if you have any ideas on some of the gadgets you thought were a spectacular fail this year or anything in tech, really, social mm-hmm. media, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. Lots going on. There's there's no real rest from now until next November, uh, with with CES coming up and everything, and and other stuff that I next don't November want to tell you all just yet. Yeah, because it's like the only time I feel like I got any rest at all was Thanksgiving. So we'll
1: see. oh man, maybe maybe around Christmas we'll have some break, and then yeah, CES stuff is happening, and well, that's yeah, Christmas yeah. time
0: will be for CES planning. Honestly, really? uh, yeah, it's it's already going on, Ugh. but we'll see. Um, we'll see you, what are you working on
1: i am uh so we finally got in the m1 macbook pro i already reviewed mm-hmm. the macbook air so just kind of putting this through its paces right now it is weird because it is it is pretty much exactly the same as macbook air which is a weird thing to say because it um mm. it's the same processor it is the same eight core gpu 2 which you have to spend a little more for the like 1250 macbook air to get that one but benchmark wise like pretty identical i think the things i've been reading and seeing from people is that um since the macbook pro has active cooling it has a fan it should be able to do sustained workloads better mm-hmm. than the macbook air so like very mm-hmm. long video rendering or 3d rendering that's kind of why you'd get this but it is a weird device i need to like wrap my head around it because it still only has two usb c ports right. you know it is um it's functionally it costs 200 bucks more than the think 300 250 it costs more than the macbook air as a base model but you're not really getting that much more out of it aside from the fan so it seems like it's in a weird spot right now yeah
0: yeah i I was hoping for more power out of it but maybe not i don't know it's the
1: same like it is the same chip and the benchmarks are identical like the the thing is like maybe it'll change for prolonged stuff you know for very long Mm. rendering like i'm saying but we'll see. I need to do more testing and kind of write this up. But hey, it's uh, the chip is still good. I think the M1 is still very responsive. And for somebody who does maybe more work than you know, if you want to do rendering often, if you do it several times a mm-hmm. week, this may be worth the investment. Although I think for very, very hardcore users, you know, you'll probably be looking at the MacBook Pro 16-inch or the 13-inches with the Intel chips that can have more RAM and stuff. So you've got choices right now. I feel like this one sits at a weird place.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll wait for your full review then.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. I have a kind of a fun one because I've been watching a lot of movies and stuff, and you can check that out. But one of the most interesting things that happened this week is um, Dunkey, the video game YouTube commenter, put up a video called Why I'm Done Making Good Videos. And it is hmm. a, like scathing indictment about the YouTube platform right now in terms of like, this is a guy who writes really fun and funny videos and he's been doing that for years, many, many years. But now YouTube is inundated with people um, who have like a team of, you know, video editors and people helping out, um, Mm. But there are people who are producing quick content, things around Fortnite, things around Among Us, um, things that aren't as insightful or funny, but they can get controversy and they can get YouTube hits better than Dunky can. So he basically says, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stop making good videos and I'm just going to make – you know, crappy bad videos. So like (laughs) the first one is like drama Mondays. It's fine. Fine. Video game drama. And then for this entire week, he has produced those crappy, like those amazing, the actual things he's pitching there. There's like an among us thing. There is a thing where he's just commenting, on somebody else's video in real time because that requires very very little thought i guess um it is it is just funny i think it's a great commentary on where youtube is right now i like donkey quite a bit because he's a really creative and smart guy and a great commentary like he's somebody who produces good commentary so if you haven't watched him before it's worth checking it out now but i do want to say like i i appreciate him pointing out like man youtube is just turning into this weird cesspool it kind of always was but it is funny how like the people who were producing good content that takes a while to produce, um, I'm to give people like, uh, Patrick Williams, who does some really good movie commentary and he basically produces 30 to 45 minute movies on YouTube to about his stuff. Uh, that, is going away because quick hits, controversial hits matter more to the YouTube algorithm. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. the story of the internet. You know, this is what happened to the internet overall. It's just kind of sad to see, but yeah, shout out to Dunky. I hope he continues to make good videos because his thing is basically like he's getting old. He cannot keep up with these teams of YouTube content hounds. Um, And I hope like, I hope he can find a way to keep working because I feel like he and so many other people, I'm feeling this too. This is what burnout feels like. You know, it feels like watching mm-hmm. an entire industry move in a direction you don't like that requires so much work um, and you kind of lose yourself as a part of it, too. So shout out to Dunkey. I think he's pretty great. Sherlyn, what are what are you checking out?
0: I, I mean, I've checked out a lot of stuff that probably aren't suitable for recommending. But um, I mean, I watched <laughs> The Happiest Season. It was pretty good. I mean, that was really good. cute.
1: I really like that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but no, my my recommendations, I'm still trying to keep with science fiction. Um all i watch really mm-hmm. and i'll start with spectral which is this film on netflix right now um it was from 2016 i really enjoyed it like i didn't expect like the blend of and this is maybe because i haven't watched as many like i guess mm-hmm. military themed movies but it's it's about these like uh i don't even know what part of the armed forces they are but these soldiers that are in uh like a i guess i'm not sure if it's a real country i don't really didn't pay attention to the actual name. um <laughs> But they're in this like conflict zone, and mm-hmm. they have these like otherworldly enemies that look like spectral projections, and uh, they have to figure out how to get rid of that. And it's just like I just wasn't expecting it to be so good, and the plot moved mm-hmm. really quickly. I was really wrapped up in it. I I really enjoyed it. It was I. It's so weird because I find it hard to actually find good like gripping science fiction adventure mm-hmm. type movies anymore that aren't like the big grand like space movies that sort of thing um so that is one of my recommendations the That's other cool. is I, i'm sure you've heard of this and you're going to be very surprised of indra that oh i'm recommending this i think you think it's good <laughs> uh this is yeah. dirk gently's holistic detective agency
1: sure
0: you approve have you I seen i mean it? i've heard
1: good things i've not seen it yet but i've heard good okay things it's it. yeah.
0: oh my gosh it's so much fun it's really good <laughs> it's the idea that um. Uh, <laughs> so dirk gently is this kind of human, maybe human, we don't know, kind of (laughs) mysterious, kind of like a Doctor Who type of character, I think. And um, he goes around solving things, holistically and by holistic they mean like the universe just kind of like guides you in the place that you want to you should be in and this okay and points you towards the crimes you need to solve and stuff like that and just like everything sort of happens for a reason and it's kind of strange you're left to wonder it also stars elijah wood by the Uh way who's to me unrecognizable in this Mm. series just because i just associate him so much with frodo um (laughs) but yeah but he does really good in this series um and I just really enjoyed it the storytelling script but sadly only two seasons it's on hulu um but both seasons were a really great ride i wish they had a chance to like kind of take it further but they didn't yeah. i mean there's more and then and there's people that's it's almost like a softer version of x-men because there's people <laughs> in there that have other abilities too and it's kind of fun soft boys um, x-men so yeah
1: i guess i, don't, I don't so- <laughs>
0: soft boys <laughs> x-men is maybe a good way to describe it but yeah so uh so that's a light, like a kind of comedy take, also. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's more lighthearted than, than something like, I guess, Spectral is. But yeah, I, I don't know. That's fun. There you go. That's
1: fun. It's very good. <laughs> one, one quick recommendation because I didn't put this on the list, but I, I was thinking mm-hmm. of you as I started watching The Flight Attendant oh. on HBO Max. Oh, yeah,
0: Kaylee Cuoco, I like. So yeah, many Kaylee Cuoco.
1: And yeah, a show about traveling and it really makes me miss traveling it makes me miss oh i think like, all i can't living.
0: watch it then like. yeah
1: it will make you miss traveling i mean the first episode is set in um in bangkok i believe so yeah oh. it is a lot of like jet setting all over the world uh, people going to like great food markets and stuff we didn't get to do this year so it I is know. fun to watch missed... but it makes me sad yeah.
0: I miss the food from all over the world that I used to be able to eat. But yeah, we'll get there one day.
1: We'll be back at Computex one day, folks. And all we'll all be living normal lives again, hopefully.
0: So that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find the Vindra online at
1: at Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at SlashFilm.com. Be sure to check that out. Also, I was on the Tested.com uh, podcast this week talking about a lot, a lot of different things, all the major news, so be sure to check that out. That was me and Norm and Cashiers, and that was fun.
0: If you want to send me all your CSI-style game recommendations, I'm at Sherlin Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please, and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify.
1: Captain America lifted me on here?